Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mills, a basketball podcast. This is episode two, and I appreciate all of you for listening. Um, this show is going to be probably very jam-packed. We had the NBA draft, which just concluded last night, with Cade Cunningham being the next number one overall pick for the Detroit Pistons, as well as a massive trade that went down, which we will talk about right now. Russell Westbrook is now officially a Los Angeles Laker, and this happened because of a trade with the Washington Wizards, where the Wizards acquired Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, and the 22nd pick, which they then traded to the Indiana Pacers for Aaron Holiday, and of course, the Lakers got Russell Westbrook. First of all, I kind of want to look at it from the Washington Wizards side, I think For a player like Russell Westbrook, being able to get assets and not have to treat his contract like how the Rockets treated Chris Paul's, which is actually have to give up picks to be able to get rid of that contract, I think that was a massive win for the Wizards. They also got players like KCP, who was a very good 3 and D player, Kyle Kuzma, who has shown flashes, as much hate as he has been getting recently, he still has shown flashes of being a very reliable player. He will be a pretty good piece on this team. And if he doesn't pan out, look, they really didn't miss out on much. Russell Westbrook was not a really great fit on that team. And so it worked out well for them. Montrez Harrell is going to be their starting center probably, unless Thomas Bryant is recovered from his torn ACL soon, which I don't know the timetable on that off the top of my head. But for now, I think that'll be a very good player to have on their team, kind of get them an offensive big who is a very high-energy player. I just see him as kind of one of those players that's perfect for Washington because they just need a center who's going to just play minutes because last year they had Alex Len and they had Thomas Bryant before he got hurt and they had Robin Lopez. So that's a major upgrade for them at center as well as the 22nd pick, which they did trade for Aaron Holiday. And I think that's going to be one of the most underrated parts of this trade. I think Aaron Holiday has shown a lot of flashes on the Indiana Pacers. He never was really able to get any minutes because he's stuck behind Malcolm Brogdon, and he was stuck behind TJ McConnell. And now that he's able to play a point guard role, I think he'll be able to develop into a really good player. And then, of course, there's Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is going to average 40. I don't know if that's out of the realm of possibility because... He's going to have the ball in his hands, and he already said that he didn't want to get traded. He wanted to stay in Washington, and so unless they get him a free agent player, which I don't know if there's anything that the Wizards would want at a reasonable price. So Bradley Beal is going to average like 40 next year, and we're just going to watch him have crazy games. So I'm actually really excited to see what the Wizards do with that pick. It's a nice, it's a very good haul for pretty much that's what they got for John Wall. They got KCP, Kuzma, Harrell, and Aaron Holiday for a very bad contract in John Wall. So for them, I would say that's a very big win. They still need to figure out what they're going to do with Bradley Beal because Bradley Beal is going to keep aging and they can't waste that generational talent and scoring ability on just mediocre teams. But that's all I really have for the Washington Wizards. Meanwhile, when you look at the Lakers side, there was a lot of battles last night on Twitter between um, Shams and Woj, and Woj was saying that Harrell and Kuzma were going to be traded for Buddy Heald of the Sacramento Kings, 
And then Shams was talking about Russell Westbrook. Honestly, when I was looking at those two trades, it really came down to fit versus talent. And Buddy Heald would be a would have been a great fit for the Lakers. He is a volume three-point shooter. Average, I think it was like 18 last year on a, when he struggled. But he still plays well. Or they go with Russell Westbrook. The generational talent, the triple-double king, and a volume score that is not a great three-point shooter, but has shown flashes a couple years ago where it was like the month of February before the bubble started, before COVID happened, where he got tested positive for COVID and didn't really look like the same Russell Westbrook. I think that if they somehow get that Russell Westbrook, the mid-range assassin, triple-doubles, playing great defense, if they get that Russell Westbrook, I think it could be a solid thing. But the biggest issue that I have with the trade is spacing. They are not a good three-point shooting team. They are going to have a lot of troubles against some teams that chuck up threes. Teams like the Utah Jazz, partly the Phoenix Suns, the Clippers, teams like that, that really can space the floor out and shoot threes. They lost KCP in the trade, and KCP was their most reliable shooter for the last two years, including on their championship run. So they are going to need to sign a shooter in free agency, which I can, which I know they will. But the question is, is can they actually pick up one that's solid enough, that plays good enough defense, and that isn't old and will get injured? Or another player that they have is Taylor Horton Tucker, who could possibly develop into a solid player. Maybe they can help him get threes up more and have him become a good three-point shooter. I know I looked at the free agency pool, and there's a lot of players that could fit that role, either of a shooting guard that would just shoot threes, or if they wanted to go with Anthony Davis at the five, there's a couple fours that are really good at threes. Some of the fours that I saw that were like Doug McDermott, Nemanja Bielitsa of the Heat, Trey Lyles. You have players like Kent Bazemore. David Nawaba, J.J. Redick, which would actually be a really good signing if they were able to do that. He'd be a very good player for them. I think he'd play really good off of LeBron James and Russell Westbrook's playmaking. You have players like Tony Snell, Wayne Ellington. And then if you really want to get out there and if they really want to go all in on old players that would have been great in 2014... They could sign Carmelo Anthony, which I think that would be a very interesting one. But the problem is, is I don't think that that's, I don't think this is going to work for them. I don't think Russell Westbrook and LeBron James and Anthony Davis are a trio that play well off of each other. Russell Westbrook is a ball dominant point guard. He needs the ball in his hands to thrive. He's not good off the ball. LeBron James is a ball-dominant player. He's okay off the ball. He's not a great catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. And Anthony Davis is a low-post threat that occasionally shoots too many threes, which if they have players like Westbrook and LeBron attacking the paint, that could cause some issues. I think that this is not going to work well. I think that this will go down as kind of a backfire, um, especially if they do re-sign Andre Drummond for a cheap contract if for some reason he actually agrees to that. They could have a floor spacing of Russell Westbrook, Taylor Horton Tucker, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Andre Drummond, which if you were playing basketball in the 1990s, that team would be spectacular. 
But this is 2021 basketball. There are teams that average 43s a game, and they're going to shoot very rough, unless somehow Russell Westbrook develops a three-pointer that he never has before, or something like that happens. But we'll have to see. Time will tell how this will play out, but in my opinion, I just don't see how that'll work. Now let's get to the NBA draft, and... There is a lot. This was a very interesting draft. I thought that it was going to be a lot more chaos, mostly because of players like Ben Simmons, Bradley Beal, and the Golden State Warriors having all of those picks. But I'll just kind of review it a little bit. Um, With the first overall pick, Troy Pistons took Cade Cunningham, which is the smart move. I was very concerned that they were going to decide not to, and we're going to take a player like Jalen Green, which Jalen I will talk about Jalen Green later, but he's going to be the star of the team. He is the face of the franchise already. The city of Detroit's already embraced him, and I think that he is going to be a great pair for players like Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bey. With Killian Hayes, it's going to be interesting. If, we can, if Killian Hayes can develop a jumper, I feel like that'll be perfect, but day one, Cade Cunningham will be the star player for this team. He will have the keys to the offense immediately. They will have a pretty good year, I think. I don't think he'll be rookie of the year. I think Cade Cunningham's going to be a star in the league. I think he'll be a multiple-time all-star, all-NBA probably. He'll be one of those players, like a, not like, kind of like Luka, tall point guard, but I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that one plays out in Detroit. Hopefully they'll be able to put some pieces around him put up put some shooters around him because I think Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart if they become really good three-point shooters Sadiq Bey is already a spectacular three-point shooter and plus they have Jeremy Grant who if they don't fit if he doesn't fit their timeline they could easily trade because I'm guessing a lot of teams would want that contract and that good of a player because Jeremy Grant averaged what 23 last year that would be a great piece for a team that would want or that is contending they would possibly trade some young assets for him so I think Detroit made the right decision. Cade Cunningham is going to be a star immediately, day one, face of the franchise. And I think this team's going to make a very big jump. Do I think that they can make it into the play-in game first year? I wouldn't be surprised because I really think that this roster is talented. I think if they make some signings in free agency, get themselves a solid power forward behind Jeremy Grant, get a good center behind Isaiah Stewart, and just kind of overall improve the depth of the team, they could be very, very good. And then with the second pick and the winners of the NBA draft, just from overall depth-wise, it was the Houston Rockets, who with their first pick took Jalen Green. And Jalen Green is one of the first products to succeed going not through the NCAA and while still playing in America. Um, The G League now looks like it's going to be a very big impact for players who don't want to who want to get paid real money and want to be able to succeed while kind of developing and playing against actual NBA competition. Jalen a lot of the players that were in that league, like Isaiah Todd, those are the kind of three players that did it and Jalen Green thrived. He is going to be a great piece for them. I think he is going to be pretty... I think his play style is very similar to like a Dwayne Wade 2.0. I think he's ex, he's going to be explosive. I think that 
the Rockets are going to be a must-watch team. Whenever, if you have League Pass or anything like that, this is a team you want to watch. Kevin Porter Jr. in the Jalen Green backcourt is going to be an explosive duo. I think it's going to be one of the highest scoring duos in the league in the future. I think that's going to be very similar to like a Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum type team. Except for Kevin Porter Jr. is already kind of similar to like the playmaking style. And they're both extremely explosive high flyers and are going to be exciting to watch. For the Rockets, they now have a big three to build upon. And they also won the draft by their selections later in the draft. They traded up and selected the big man from Turkey, Alperin Shingun. I'm actually surprised I got that on the first try. He's seven-footer. Um, the comparisons were somewhat Nikola Jokic, which, of course, tall European big. That's what they're going to compare him to. But I actually think that he could be a very solid piece. I haven't watched much on him, but the Rockets have no centers. So he's going to be thrown right into the fire. So hopefully he'll have kind of the season like Pokashevsky did in Oklahoma City where they gave him all the minutes and just let him develop on the court, which for Pokashevsky turned out really well. At the end of the year, he was playing spectacular. So I think that's going to be a very interesting player to watch that was in the mid-round selections. And then with their next two selections, they picked Usman Garuba and Josh Christopher, two really hyped-up prospects before the... um, before the season started, and they were projected to be, I think, both like top 10 picks. So being able to pick those two in the late first round and be able to get two extremely talented players is going to be a very big asset to have moving forward. They are going to be a fun team to watch looking forward. But the question is now is John Wall. What are they going to do with John Wall? doesn't fit into their timeline. I could easily see him coming off of the bench. But they're going to have to try to dump his contract. They're going to probably have to find a trade piece with him. Either that be the Clippers, the Heat, the Knicks, no longer the Lakers. But there's going to be teams that are definitely going to be interested in John Wall. And they might have to give up something else for them to take John Wall's contract. But if they were able to do that, I think that would be a great way to start. Free up a lot of money. Maybe sign some lower end free agents that are kind of the riskier players and I think that that could be a really good start but the Houston Rockets look like they're going to be a scary team in the next five years if not sooner with the duo of KPJ and Jalen Green that'll be a very good combination and that could be a very exciting thing to watch and then the next pick was the Cleveland Cavaliers selecting Evan Mobley which If you're the third pick and you can select someone like Evan Mobley, who in most drafts would be the number one pick, you can't complain. I was very nervous that the Cavaliers would trade down and would mess this up, but thankfully they didn't, and he is a very rare talent. He is a seven-footer who can play both the four or the five. He's a two-way player, and he has shown flashes of comparisons to Anthony Davis, But the issue is is that consistency is going to be the main issue. I think him and Jared Allen could be a very good one-two punch if they are going to re-sign Jared Allen. And then I think the biggest reason why this is a great pick is because of how much bigs are running the NBA right now. I mean, NBA champion was Giannis and also two-time MVP. Nikola Jokic won the MVP award last year, 
a big ran the Lakers and Anthony Davis and LeBron, Kevin Durant, and then Joel Embiid. I think that he's not like that right now, but if he develops and lives up to his potential, he could easily be on that kind of freakishly long, movable, and like would be able to actually move on defense. I think he's going to be a very good player, and I think he's someone that the Cavaliers are going to need to keep and going to need to surround pieces with him because that team in a few years could be a very fun team to watch with Colin Sexton if he's there. You have Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. That's another team that could be very fun to watch. They're going to be a very high-flying, exciting team. But looking what's next for, for Cleveland, they need to see if they actually want to keep Kevin Love or Colin Sexton. Kevin Love has been on the trade block for three years now and still no one has really taken the bait because of Kevin Love's massive contract. Colin Sexton is an interesting one. I think Colin Sexton's a really good player, but him and Darius Garland isn't the greatest fit because both of them are very ball dominant. And Darius Garland showed flashes of being a really good player, but Colin Sexton's also a very, very good scorer. And he shot very well last year, which was kind of the main issue that people thought would be. And he's also not a great defender, but that's also because he's scoring a majority of the time for the team. He's their like number one go-to offensive option. So he used to usually has to expend all of his energy on offense instead of defense. But one of the biggest pieces when he came into the draft for Colin Sexton was his defense. So... If they do move on Sexton, I think he's going to be a very sought-after player because I think he's a rare talent, and defensively, if you don't have him being the number one option, I think he could be a very, very good player. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to be on the come-up soon. I think next year is going to be kind of rough as well. Hopefully, they'll be able to keep Jared Allen and be able to keep him on an affordable contract, don't overpay him, but if they need to pay him a little bit more than they would have wanted, for a player like Jared Allen, who is a very, very good defender and is a very good rim runner, I think they should probably do that. And, all right, let's get on to the next pick. The Raptors, who almost was a lock for selecting Jalen Suggs, decided to pick Scotty Barnes, which I'm not super confident about, but I think that it could be a very interesting pick. I think he's very similar to the last forward that was taken with the fourth overall pick from Florida State, and that was Jonathan Isaac. And Jonathan Isaac has turned out to be a really good player. The only issue is his health has been a very big issue for the Magic, and we'll talk about them next, but for now we're going to talk about the Raptors and their selection of Scotty Barnes. I think it's a very questionable selection, but I think that's going to be one of those things where he's he is a very much a Jonathan Isaac type player. The issue is they have OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam right now. I don't know if that means that Pascal Siakam is on the move, which... If he was on the move, I think a team that would be really interested in, in him would be the Golden State Warriors. But I've, there's been no rumors about that or anything. It's just kind of me throwing out an idea of what they could be doing. 
But even then, Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi are very similar style players, and they had a very big missing gap at point guard now, or shooting guard, depending on what Fred Van Vliet does. Fred Van Vliet could either run the one or the two, but Kyle Lowry is pretty much a given that he's not going to play for the Raptors next year. And unless they really think Malachi Flynn, who was their draft pick last year, can take the step up and become a starter, I just don't see how that fit works well. But who knows? I think maybe the Raptors are seeing something in Scotty Barnes that no one else is really seeing. I think he's very much a Jonathan Isaac type player. But I would not say that when you have a player like Jalen Suggs available, they probably should have taken him because that would have been their point guard locked up for who knows how long. That would have been kind of their key piece, their cornerstone for years to come. But instead, the Orlando Magic were able to get Jalen Suggs with the fifth pick, which I'd say is an absolute steal. There may be a little bit of Minnesota bias there. I did watch him play high school basketball a lot of times at the Minnesota State Tournament. And so I've seen him a lot, even back then, and watched him play football as well. And he is a natural-born leader. I think he is going to really help revive the Orlando Magic. And his fit on the team right now is a little bit questionable just because they have a carousel of point guards, which has Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, who they just traded for in the Aaron Gordon trade. They have Markel Fultz. And so I think that's... They're going to have to trade one of those players, I'm guessing, or they're going to try to run them all together and kind of do a Phoenix Suns-type team where they have three point guards, except for the last time that happened with the mid-2010s Phoenix Suns. It did not work well. So I think having Jalen Suggs there, you can't really... You can't give up on him. You can't just skip over him. So... That's kind of my thing is I think that's a great pick for if you're going best available. They're going to have to adjust. They may have to trade Markel Fultz, which that would be a very interesting player on the market because of his ACL injury he suffered last year. And if teams would be willing to make a risk to be picking up a player like that. But with the Magic also picked with their later pick was Franz Wagner, who is a really good 3 and D player which I think he's a really good fit on this team. I think the Magic are kind of stuck in this really weird limbo of old old players that have been on the team for a while, like Jonathan Isaac, which who's not really that old, but like players who would be considered veterans, like Markel Fultz, like older players, and then also the young core that's coming in, like Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, R.J. Hampton, Cole Anthony, Wendell Carter Jr., players like that who are going to be kind of the future of the team. So this so this team kind of has a lot of different ways they can go just looking forward. This will be a very interesting team to look at in a few years because I don't know what the Orlando Magic are doing. I don't know what they're going to do. I think they are kind of in a very awkward position, but... Hopefully they'll be able to surround pieces around Jalen Suggs because Jalen Suggs is a generational talent. He is a generational leader. He played football and basketball, and he easily could have played both and could have made the NFL as well. So having Jalen Suggs be able to put all of his time into basketball for the first time in his life, he could easily work on that jump shot, which is kind of his main issue 
that's the only reason why he didn't go higher was Jalen Suggs has had some shooting problems in college. But if he was able to put in the full time and be able to develop his jump shot, I think he's going to be a very good player for this team. And as well as Franz Wagner, who's going to be just a really good 3 and D player. He's going to be a great shooter. I think he'll play great off of Suggs, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, Markell. He'll be able to spot up and be able to knock down the threes that are needed. And I think that this team's going to be very interesting to see what they do look going forward because they have so many options. They have a lot of point guards. I don't know if that means trading Markell for picks or what it is, but I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens with the Orlando Magic. The next team I kind of want to target is the Golden State Warriors. They loaded up on picks. They still have Wiseman and Andrew Wiggins, who they were looking to dump previously. And they were really looking at Bradley Beal and Ben Simmons, which Ben Simmons did not get traded, which I will talk about a little bit later. And they and Bradley Beal said that he wanted to stay in Washington. So they were re- it was really unfortunate for them, but they still made the most out of their picks. Taking Jonathan Kaminga, who at the beginning when I saw Moses Moody was available, which they were really targeting, I was with the 14th pick. I was very confused why they took Kuminga instead of him. But Kuminga is also a very rare, raw athlete. He's very similar to a Draymond Green-esque player, which is very, very, very athletic, very young, doesn't really have a jump shot right now, but can develop one, a spectacular defender, and he can develop on this team. I don't know how much they'll actually develop him or if they'll even be on the team by the beginning of the year. I'm guessing he'll probably get traded. If they do go for like a Siakam or a player like that, they will probably give up Jonathan Kuminga and or Moses Moody, which I will talk about now. They somehow got Moses Moody with the 14th pick, which is one of the biggest steals of the draft. Moses Moody is the perfect player for this team. He is 3 and D, which is exactly what they need. He will hit his threes and play solid defense. That's all they need from their players because they have Steph, who is going to average 35 again, probably. So it's going to be very interesting to see where the Warriors go. I don't think the Warriors are done this offseason. If anything, they'll probably pick or they'll probably sign a couple players that are looking to get a title run. Um, I think that this team is in a very awkward spot where they have young players like Wiseman, like Kaminga, like Moody now, and having their old talent that still is nearing the end of their prime, like Steph, Draymond, and Clay. Hopefully, I really hope Clay gets back and is healthy because I think he's one of those players that the NBA just needs because he is an exciting player to watch every single time. If he's heating up, if that team is on fire, you're going to want to watch him. So I really hope Clay Thompson gets back, and hopefully that works out well. And if they were able to pick up Siakam, I think that's going to be a great option for them, having either Draymond run center or Siakam run the center and have Kevon Looney as their backup, which would be okay. I think that they have a very good chance of doing that. But I think that's the team that you need to watch out for this offseason and see what happens because there are a lot of players that they could go after. But 
for right now, I think the Warriors had a really good draft for what they were able to do. Since they weren't able to pick up Bradley Beal or any players like that, they went with just picking a potential player and a rock-solid, could-be starter, could-be a really good backup in the near future. With the next team I want to highlight, there's a lot of teams that I could go into. Teams like the Spurs, who had a really interesting draft, who picked a point guard out of Alabama that no one really knew. But it's also the Spurs, so I give them a pass because that's just what they do. They just draft random players, and they'll magically pan out. So I'm not worried about the Spurs, but another team that I really want to talk about who is just going to be so much fun to watch in the future is the Charlotte Hornets. I don't know if they'll ever be like a really, really good team, but this team is going to be so much fun. You're going to have LaMelo Ball running the show. You have Miles Bridges, who was literally a human highlight reel last year. And with their draft picks, they picked up James Boonight and Kai Jones. James Boonight is going to be a just flamethrower off the bench. He's going to be very similar to Devontae Graham, which makes me wonder where Devontae Graham will be in the future, which I doubt he'll be on this team. But if he is Devontae Graham and James Boonight off the bench, that is going to be a very exciting duo that they can just throw in off the bench. I think their selection of Kai Jones is going to be a highlight reel. I think he's going to be just one of the most exciting players to watch out of this draft class. I think him and Jalen Green are just going to be highlights. I think they're just going to be only highlight reels with him and Kai Jones. Kai Jones is a damn near seven-footer who is hyper-athletic. There is no way that if you watch the film of Kai Jones, if you haven't watched the film of Kai Jones, just go on YouTube, look at Kai Jones' highlights, and you can see someone who paired up with Lamelo Ball is going to be catching lobs nightly. There are going to be highlights from Charlotte every single night, and it's going to be a very exciting team to watch develop. I don't know if they'll ever be a great team, but they will always be exciting. So I think it's a very successful draft night, as well as they acquired Mason Plumley, which is going to be a very just solid starting center because they have always had issues with um, picking up centers, whether it's drafting Frank Kaminsky, Noah Vonley, whether it's signing Bismack Biombo, whether it's drafting Cody Zeller. I think Mason Plumley's just a solid center. I think he's just going to be. I think he's probably going to be their starter. And I think he's just going to be a good enough piece to where he'll be he'll be good. I think he'll be just solid enough. I don't think he'll do anything crazy. I don't think he'll do anything, like, substantial. I just think they needed a center who is just good. Just a good center because they haven't had that in since Al Jefferson, pretty much. Unless I'm missing somebody, which I don't think I am. But if I am, that's that's fine. But another team that I want to see, and I was very interested with their selections, or selection was Oklahoma City Thunder. They are stockpiled on picks, and they decided to trade back again. Um, With their sixth pick, they selected Josh Giddey, the point guard out of Australia, who I really am high on. I think he's going to be a very good player. I think him and Shea are going to be a really good combination. 
I think Josh Giddy will be a good point guard. But then they traded their pit later pick to the Rockets, which then they drafted the center out of Turkey. But I think that Oklahoma City, I don't know what they're doing. I kind of want to do a rant on what they're doing with their picks, but I don't think I'm going to do that this episode just because it's already long enough. I think that they are, I don't know what they're doing. I think Josh Giddy's a good selection. I think if they would have selected somebody with that pick, they would have been fine. But I think Giddy's going to be a really good player. I think he's going to pair well with Shea, with Baisley, with Pokashevsky. I think they're going to be a very good team. I think Oklahoma City also needs to be targeted because they also have a player like Kemba Walker, who I don't think they want even playing for them. I doubt I doubt they would even play him much if they did keep him this offseason. So I think he's going to be a player that's going to get moved, again, to a player, team like the Heat, the Knicks, the Clippers, players that need point guards or need backups. But the issue is that contract is massive, so they're probably going to need to give up another asset or a pick, which they have more than enough, so I don't think they would be worried about it. But if they were able to get Kemba Walker off the books, they have a very young and promising team. I doubt they'll sign anyone big in free agency. They might just go and pick up a couple solid pieces off the bench, but they have a lot of young players, and it's going to take time for them to develop their young players. Hopefully they're able to. I really hope Josh Giddy is a really good player because he is a very exciting, I think he's, I think he's a very exciting young prospect. I think he'll be very good. I think the issue is that around a team like Oklahoma City where there's not many other, like, catch-and-shoot players as much as, like, a team like the Warriors or any teams like that. I think Josh Giddy on the Warriors would have been a fun combination, but I think that Josh Giddy is going to have to develop. I think he might struggle his rookie year, but I think in the end he'll be a very good player. And there's a few other teams, but I don't really want to get into them. I mean, for me with the Phoenix Suns, we traded our pick for... Landry Shamit and lost Javon Carter, which is a good a good trade, but I'm not going to get into that one just because I don't think anyone wants to hear me talk about us trading the 29th and Javon Carter for Landry Shamit. But all right, that's going to be mostly it. But I want to do highlight the off season since the off season now has officially arrived. After this day, um, chaos now has ensued. I think the biggest thing, I think all eyes are going to be on Philadelphia to see what they do with Ben Simmons. Because they were offered, they offered to the Warriors, James Wiseman, Andrew Wiggins, and four picks. And the Warriors said no, which I completely understand. And I don't understand why they think they can get so much for Ben Simmons. And if they don't get anything... The issue is, is that if they don't get what they want, they're just going to have to run it back. And I don't think anyone in the city of Philadelphia is going to want to run it back with Ben Simmons as their point guard. So I don't know if they're going to have to lower their what they want for him or what they're going to do, but they're going to have to get realistic. They're going to have to be honest with themselves and be like, look, Ben Simmons was Ben Simmons last year. Ben Simmons before the playoffs, yeah, he was worth all those picks and Wiseman and Wiggins. Now, there is no way that he is worth that much. I would probably, if I was a young developing team, I would probably do it. But if I'm a team that's like contending and want to win now, 
I don't know if I would trade for Ben Simmons because I don't know if the ben, ben Simmons will develop. I don't think Ben Simmons will develop that much. I don't think he'll develop much this year. I think he, it will be a very, very slow development. And he also needs a restart. He's going to come back to Philadelphia, and I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be good. Like I, I really, really hope that Philadelphia either gets realistic and says we need to just get rid of Ben Simmons because he needs to go somewhere else, and the city of Philadelphia will not accept him. Because they won't. They are already turned their backs on him. They don't want anything to do with him. So I think that Ben Simmons is going to be a very interesting trade piece. I think players like free agents like Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Mike Conley's a free agent, Lonzo Ball, which is going to be one of those young pieces, which teams like the Bulls, the Celtics, teams like that are going to try to get for affordable contracts. Players like John Collins, who I think will probably stay with Atlanta, but he also is probably going to want his money, and I don't know if they'll be willing to give him that money. But And then you also have the unpredictable ones like Kawhi Leonard, who has a player option off of a torn ACL. He might try to decline his player option and go somewhere else. That's not super likely, but it's still up in the air. And then you have Chris Paul, who will probably decline his player option and will re-sign with the Suns, I hope. Because if not, I will probably... I, I don't know what I'll do. I will not be very happy. But this is going to be a very interesting offseason. I think there are a lot of teams that believe that they can get into the playoffs and are, would be able to get into the finals. I think the Eastern Conference is going to be a little bit more difficult just because of how, how it's running. I think there are two teams that are the scariest ones. And, of course, it's Brooklyn, who is going to be fully healthy, who has just gotten who just picked up, I think it was like Cameron Thomas, who was a very good player out of LSU, and then they got Javon Carter out of that trade. I think they're going to be a, they're just going to be the favorites no matter what. Their bench depth is spectacular. They're going to be a very scary team looking forward. And then, of course, you have the defending champion, Milwaukee Bucks. So I think those two teams are the two in the East. I don't think there's really much else unless Philadelphia shakes it up and gets a star player or a team like the Knicks get a big free agent. Atlanta is probably just going to stay around the same. Miami will probably try to make a splash. Boston's going to be interesting to see what happens with them because they have now a lack of point guard, unless they want to have Peyton Pritchard be their point guard, which I'm not sure if you'd want to do that. And then that's kind of it for the East. I mean, the East is kind of... It's a race between two teams. Meanwhile, the Western Conference is wide open. I think that there are I think that there's a possibility of eight teams that I could see making the finals next year. I could see Utah just because of their they've been the same team every single year. And as we've looked at through the last few years, if you're a team that stays together, you can usually build chemistry and chemistry is gonna prevail over most stuff, like how it did with Phoenix. And then Phoenix is also going to be a contender as long as they keep Chris Paul. Denver is going to have Jamal Murray back, so they're going to be in it too. The Clippers, of course. Dallas with Luka. Port- if, they, if they somehow do get a trade for Ben Simmons, I think Portland could be in that race as well. Damian Lillard has had some electrifying playoff series. I think he could be very good as well. Of course, the Lakers, who just traded for Russell Westbrook. But I'm not the most confident about those players. And then, of course, the Golden State Warriors. I think those are the eight teams that can make it out of the West. 
So I really think that there's going to be some major shakeups in the Western Conference because the Western Conference is wide open. It's not wide open, but there are eight great teams that can make it. And then there's also teams like Memphis and the Pelicans that could easily shake up stuff. I don't think they'll be able to make a run, but I feel like if they were got into the playoffs, they could easily mess up someone's title hopes. But I think that the West is wide open, so I think players like Lowry and DeRozan are going to be key pieces for teams to sign. I think a player like Kyle Lowry, if somehow the Clippers could convince him to sign there, I think that that would put them over the top and probably make them favorites if Kawhi Leonard was able to come back before the season ended. I think that the West is going to be just a bloodbath. And so I think the free agents of this summer, even though they aren't the most big, even though they aren't the most like powerful or in or like really good players, I think that it's going to be a very big race to see who can trade for the star players like Ben Simmons and those type of players. So I'm really interested to see how this offseason will go. And whenever there's any big breaking news, I will probably make another podcast and we'll give my reactions to it and kind of break down what's been happening recently. But anyways, I think that's about it. I think there's not really anything else. I mean, of course, you have like the you're, of course you have like Buddy Heald and that kind of stuff, but Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, but I'm not really I don't think talking about the Kings is too important. I mean, the Kings are the Kings. They're just going to keep on messing up draft picks cuz that's just what they do. But regardless, I think that that's about it. So I thank you all so much for listening. If you did get this far, I appreciate you guys very much because you just were listening to a person ramble about basketball for a long time, trying to give my insight, trying to give my knowledge, and trying to tell you guys about what I think. So I really do appreciate all of you stopping in and listening. So with that being said, I hope you all have a wonderful day, a great week, and I will see you all in the next one. See ya.